So Money Episode 722, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Sandra Graham. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. It's Friday. And thank you so much for your questions left all over the place on Instagram, on Facebook, on the So Money podcast website. You all are finding me in many ways, and I appreciate that. I've been as you know, having quite the party on Instagram with my Instagram stories and um, encouraging you to send me direct messages there. And you know that if you've reached me on Instagram personally, I've done my best to reach you and write back and try to tackle your finances, you know, just on the go and then share them again here on the show. So that's uh, turns out to be probably the most effective way at this point to get me, my attention, especially if you want an answer quick. Helping me sift through today's questions is a former guest of this show, and she herself is a bona fide financial expert, entrepreneur, online educator. Sandra Graham, welcome to So Money. Thanks so much for having me. So excited to be here. And I didn't even mention you are the brain behind the very popular Smart Cookies, which is is a program that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Um, It's been featured on Oprah and Money Magazine and the Today Show um, and a book. Uh, Basically, this is a company that helps you bring your richest goals to life in a way that's fun and inspiring. And so Mm -hmm. what have you been up to? I know it's been a while since you launched Smart Cookies and just in true entrepreneurship entrepreneur style, always hustling. What's going on? Oh, always hustling and, you know, managing the mom hustle too. So never a dull moment around here, but yeah, I mean, it's been so fun over the years to, and you know this too, but the online space and, um, really nurturing our online community and launching some amazing new courses and connecting with phenomenal money-minded women and people all over the world, which is just so amazing. I mean, Smart Cookies started over 10 years ago now, and that's when we were on Oprah and weren't really anything until we launched the business after that. But I mean, what it's been able to grow into and um, being able to help so many people is just amazing. I never, I never would have pictured this is where the journey has taken me, but I love every minute minute of it. So I'm going to keep on hustling. Keep on, keep on. And <laughs> your newest program is a 20-minute how-to guide. And yeah. this is specifically teaching people how to transform their spending habits for good. Yeah. Why did you want to focus on spending as opposed to yeah. saving or earning? You know what, Farnoosh, because I feel like over my journey, no matter how successful I am, you know, I've paid off debt, I've um, increased my income exponentially, but the spending is the one area that I personally have to keep going back to and catching myself. And so I actually went through a period just before the holidays where it was one of those, you know, you have those weeks where you're like, I'm just going to treat myself. And then it turns into like two months of, okay, I need to slow it down. And so I went through the process of creating this guide with our community, with the Smart Cookies Money Club, which is an online um, 
financial membership program that I have. And we really work together to create this in terms of, okay, how do you create more intention around your spending and little tips and tricks that you can use throughout your day when you're exhausted and busy and tired and you just need to get a grip on your spending so you don't self-sabotage yourself. Um, And this guide, it's a really simple way to look at your spending that actually becomes quite addictive in terms of how you look at it. And I have found it really effective and the women in our community have. So I'm really excited to, um, to share it with everyone who can kind of share these secrets and really transform how they spend their money on a daily basis. Well, you're absolutely right. Bringing the thought back into spending, the, the thought process, the, yeah. the pause that you need to sometimes take to reflect, is this really something that I want, need, yeah. need right yeah. now? I've yeah. started to recently use Apple Pay, <laughs> yes. which is going yeah, to be yeah. my demise. <laughs> I actually showed up at the coffee shop over the weekend with my daughter, Colette, and yeah. forgot my wallet at home because you know moms you're switching purses you've got your yeah. work purse your weekend purse your whatever you just, so I forgot yeah. to take my transfer my wallet into my new purse and yeah. thought I had to return home well no no because I had my <laughs> iPhone and um, I realized I could use my phone to pay and I think I'm a late bloomer to this I feel like I'm so late to the party yeah no I am too I'm, I'm and totally I'm okay with that party. yeah I I'm feel okay like- with that Oh, I know. It's scary. So yeah, having the tools because it's so easy. That's the thing. It's so easy to spend easier than ever to spend money. So yeah, it's, we all need that pause in those, just in those moments where it becomes too easy to really reflect on, okay, what do, yeah, exactly what you said. Do I love this? Does this have meaning for me? Uh, Could I get a better deal? And you know, is this really in line with what I love in my life? And so using that filter is really powerful. Well, I love that it's just a 20-minute guide and not like a 200-hour yeah. guide. No. Um, and no, I want everyone to go and check it out. It's free. Why not? Smartcookies.com slash guide. We'll put that yep. link over on So Money's website as well. But smartcookies.com slash guide. I love that you're here with us today of all days too, Sandra, because we yeah. have some questions that I think will really speak to the mothers in us and the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in us. And the first question is from someone on Facebook who's asked to remain anonymous. No prob. Mm-hmm. She says that she's in the tail end of her 20s, happily married to her husband of six years. So early marriage there. Yeah. Um, I've always been fascinated about people who get married really early in life, like 19, 20. My mom was 19 when she got married. Yeah. My mom was young too. Crazy young. Um, So her question is, well, let me give you a little bit more about her before I get to her question. She says that they are currently on track to finish paying off about $20,000 of debt over the next few months. She's really seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Their next goal as a family is to build up their emergency fund, six to nine months of savings. Um, they own their own house and would like to also put some money into home improvements. So the one problem, she says, and it sounds like they're making a lot of progress, so good job, that they have baby fever really, really bad. So <laughs> She says she has baby fever. She does. He does he? Yeah. Um, so she's wondering that, you know, after they finished paying off the credit card debt, is that the best time to start to look into expanding the family? Um, yeah. Or should they wait until they kind of have all of their ducks in a row with the savings and the debt paid off? Um, are they going to be irresponsible if they just sort of like throw – she thinks like throw caution to the wind and without all their finances figured out to start trying for a baby? Can I just say – 
there's never a perfect time to have a child. And it sounds like they have a lot of momentum, good, positive momentum building. They have their, they've identified their financial goals. They're working towards them. The thing about reproducing is that (laughs) it's like, you think you can have so much control over this thing. It could take years. I hope not. It could take the first try. It could take several tries. So I feel like if you're ready emotionally and your money is kind of working towards the right moves and you're you're getting your finances um, arranged and you're committed to that, there's no way, there's no reason you can't work on this simultaneously, right? Yeah, I, I completely feel the same. And I feel like exactly, she's in a great spot, especially for being so young. I mean, they really are in, yeah. if they're being- They're, they're not being, even 30 yet. I know, exactly, exactly. And I feel the same, you know, I mean, what's there's no magic number you need to have in your savings account before you can have a baby. There's no, you know, right. I, I think- there, yeah, there's, there's no reason why they can't start exploring and see how that, where that journey takes them. And you're so right, partners. I mean, you know, it could happen the very first try. It could take years, but you never know. And, and truly, and the other thing about becoming a mom is that, and you know, this too, is that you, your filter for what you like focus your money on in terms of where you spend it and how you earn, um, is it really changes. So in, in a positive way, in ways you might not expect because yes, it's expensive to have kids, but, um, if you you plan for it, which it sounds like that's like, that's the best case scenario here, right? Where this is a reader or a listener rather who, you know, it has the fortune and the privilege to sort of plan it out. Sometimes you get pregnant and you didn't want it or didn't expect it. And it sort of falls, you know, life takes you in, in places and it's a miracle when it happens, but better to kind of know what you're going into and getting yourself into. And some parting advice I'd have for her is, you know, try to, to the best of your ability, get rid of that debt, before the baby arrives. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you get married, if you get pregnant tomorrow, then you've got nine months. If you get, you know, so just kind of keep that timeline in, in your mind. Like, can I actually get rid of this debt within the year? Um, if yes. this baby comes sooner or later, I would really like to see that for them. I would also say, try to really map out your childcare plan and your employment plan and your husband's. But I talked I mean, for women, let's be honest, we're the ones who normally, who usually are the ones who <laughs> mm-hmm. opt out. Um, but I would love to see her try to still stay in the career game. And even if she does take time off, which she should, you know, to be with her baby in the beginning, that she has a re-entry strategy and that she's, you uh-huh. know, making sure that she doesn't, you know, sacrifice her career if that's not something that you really want to do. Um, and then also look into life insurance because you're yep. going to need that. And you, by the way, you can also start saving for college before your baby's born, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> 529s are something that you can open at any time and then just switch the beneficiary over to your child from you to your child once he or she is born, but good luck. I mean, this is exciting. It is exciting. That's such an exciting stage of life. I mean, and she's, I'm excited for her. It sounds like she's really, really, really being, having the foresight to do some planning. The one piece of advice I would Mm -hmm. say too, is check with your insurance and look at your, you know, she might not know birth plan in terms of what she wants to have, if she's going to have in the hospital, use a midwife. Um, but what those costs are going to be too, because that is something that can, not that that should prevent you. Right. Right. (laughs) Better to look at that after you get pregnant. (laughs) I will also say that, uh, for me, I can only speak for myself, but I found that the more stressed I was, the harder it was to have a baby. 
Mm. Um, you know, just because, and, and you know, you get stressed because you want the baby so bad and then yeah. it doesn't happen right away. And then it's just sort of this like self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, yeah. But and your finances are can be stressful. So to the extent that you can kind of get yourself at least in that area of your life, um, feeling good and not feeling stressed yeah. out, I think that's going to go a very long way in ha- making sure that you have a very, um, you know, stress-free pregnancy and uh, and yeah. everything and all and happily ever after. So yeah. Good luck to you. And thanks for your advice, Sandra. <laughs> How course. many children do you have? I have two. So Jack is six and Violet turns four next week. So. Oh, oh okay. Gosh. So you're a little ahead of where my, your kids are a little ahead of where a mine are. Bit. And I think also the same gender difference, gender and age difference. They're, my son's three and my daughter's one, well, almost oh, yeah. four. And they're, he's so jealous of her. Let me just tell you. <laughs> He loves her, but I cannot sneak a kiss to Colette if he is in the room. Like, he just gets so sad. And I wonder, does it get better? Did your kids have, did your son have sort of a love hate relationship with his sister as as a much younger child? Yeah, he did. And then, yeah, it does get better for sure. I think the more mature that they get, but then also they completely have their minutes where, or moments where they, he completely reverts back to it. And so I feel like it's just the constant and it's interesting the dynamic between the boy and the girl. And I don't know if you see this too, but I feel like Jack and I right now have like a really great connection. I mean, I have an awesome connection with Violet too, but she's definitely a daddy's girl right now. And I feel like me and Jack kind of have a little powwow going. So, and it's interesting to me to, and it hasn't, it's, I feel like it switches every year or so. So it'll be so interesting to me as they grow up. I'm excited to see how those relationships and their relationships and the dynamics. I mean, it's a ever changing, um, landscape over here every single day. So it does, <laughs> but those ages, you're so in it right now, Courtney. It does get, you know, I'm you, so it, in it. And you're so, so in it. it. But it's there's light at the so end of the hard. tunnel. I swear you're almost oh there. Oh my gosh. It's so physically exhausting. Yeah, I, I am not ungrateful for a second, but yeah. I'm just tired and there's no, there's yeah. no denying it, you know, but no, no. Who knew, just, like a little person could take out so much of your <laughs> it's exhausting. It's, it's not so exhausting. And at the end of the day, you're like, why am I so tired? Like what has actually happened Nothing's today? And happened. You can't, yeah. Nothing's happened. You've all just, you've tried to tie shoelaces. You've tried to find <laughs> missing toys. You've told him 13 times to take a bite yeah. of his dinner. Yeah. And yeah. you know, so it's a, it's oh. all good. Everyone should have children moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck to you. Good luck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> question here from Brad and he wants to know if, and this is great for you too, again, because I think you have this sort of uh, abundance mindset. You're always looking at creative ways to increase revenue. He says, can you talk more about income producing assets that you can start with a thousand dollars or less and scale up or maybe peer to peer lending? I would be interested in hearing more about some of these maybe non-traditional investments. I'm getting tired of hearing about maxing out your 401k to get your employer mad. I'm tired of hearing about paying down debt, saving an emergency fund. Everyone knows these things. Yes, I hear you, Brad. In fact, I'm working on a book right now, I think, it's so early stages, about sort of you know leveling up your finances. Because people who listen to podcasts, especially this one, I feel like we know all the tried and true advice, right? We know all about spending less than you make and 
<laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. But like Brad, I think he's really the zeitgeist of the listener where it's like, okay, what else? What more? I want to mm-hmm. I want to do better, do more. And so I really appreciate this question. I have a few thoughts, but I, why don't I so – I'll let you start first. Maybe put, uh, put you on the hot seat. Yeah. Feedback for him. I, I love this question um, because, yeah, this is my wheelhouse for sure. So here's the thing with $1,000 or less is a hard amount to really like scale up. But I think where we are right now in the world and this, I mean, with technology and investment opportunities and all the things. So here's here's my thought. I mean, yes, an investment that isn't going to be your traditional, you know, 401k, et cetera, is going to be riskier, but I mean, it sounds like he's okay with that, right? Like that sounds like something he's willing to, to kind of jump into, but I feel like you can also do something that you can have more control over. So my thought when, when I first saw this question was like, why not invest that in yourself? And maybe he already has to some extent, but in his own business, or if he hasn't started his own business or, um, something in the online world, or I feel like with, um, investing. And I don't know if this is what he meant for Anisha. I'll be interested to get your perspective on it. Peer to peer lending. When I read that, I read it as in terms of, Oh, you have a friend or a family member who has bought like a business or an investment opportunity to you and needs, you know, $5,000 to do their startup. I mean, that's the kind of opportunities that I personally get excited about. Um, I think he might've meant something different in terms of peer to peer lending, which I did a little bit of digging. I'm not super familiar with that world. Um, but I think keeping your eyes and ears open and having those conversations with other like-minded, um, people in your community or in your sphere to put it out there like, Hey, I've got a couple thousand dollars and I'm really interested in some new investment opportunities. What do you have for me? Um, I think having those conversations, you just never know where those are going to lead. And if you have a little money to play with after you've already done all the traditional things, then I think that's, that's awesome. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, Farnish. Yeah. I love everything you had to say. And I do, I th- when he said peer to peer, I was thinking like prosper lending club. Yeah. And that's what I think he probably meant. Yeah, so I was like, Oh, peer to peer. That's yeah. Exactly. There, yeah. So d- definitely could mean giving money to a friend, someone, you know, in, as they are building a business and you're kind of an investor in that, in that project. But then there are also other platforms where you can with less money, like say $1,000, open up a portfolio of quote unquote peer investments. You don't know these Mm -hmm. people, but these are people who need money for various things, whether it's like paying off their student loan debt or, you know, and you're basically investing in them and their intention to pay back the debts, which, so you're basically lending them money. Um, and the advice is to really have a portfolio there because you want diversity. You don't want to put, sure. you want to give one person all your money. Like you said, this is going to be a higher risk venture than say putting it into something more traditional, like a 401k or an IRA. And that's okay. So I think the most important thing is that you decide upon an investment or a project or some sort of utilization of this money that will make you happy, excited, curious, interested. So I, I heard yeah. your voice really kind of I heard you kind of light up Sandra when you're like I love, you know, helping out friends and giving them money. That's cool. So 
you know, what makes you excited? Is it investing in other people's ideas? Is it, yeah. is it putting it into your own self-development, a photography class, learning a mm-hmm. language, learning mm-hmm. um, how to code because ultimately mm-hmm. you want to build an app or something like that? So I would say think like 10 steps ahead. Like where do you want to be in a few years and how can this money, even though you say it's just $1,000, but how can you kind of use it to get those baby steps going? Um, you know, I will always reference my friend James Altucher's book, Choose Yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And that book is all about, you know, choosing yourself. And when you are choosing how to direct your dollars, that you dedicate a, you know, a smart portion of that to reinvesting in your skills, your talents, your experiences, right? So traveling the world with that, you know, maybe you can't go over all over the world with a thousand dollars, but you can go, you can buy plane tickets to somewhere really cool, um, meet new people. And so it kind of just also depends on what you define as an investment and what defines as feeding mm-hmm. your, your wealth and your, your net worth. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a philosophical question he asks, I think too, because this isn't just about putting it towards a numerical, you know, um, investment, but it could be something that won't pay off for a while. And with that, you have to kind of just have faith and at the end of the day, just do something that you really enjoy. Because if it doesn't pay off, at least you enjoyed the ride. Yeah, exactly. And something that you're passionate about, you know, educating yourself on and being on top of. I mean, something like this, I feel like is a more hands-on opportunity. So in whether it's hands-on personally or hands-on with I mean, not necessarily hands-on, but, you know, being curious, like, I love that you said curious. I mean, I think that's such a positive emotion to follow. I mean, something that you're already, that lights you up and and is something you naturally want to educate yourself on. That's where no matter what happens, like you say, you're going to enjoy that process, the learning process, um, and knowing what your comfort level is for how much money you're willing to risk or put into that learning process is a, is a comfort level that, you know, you need to check in with. But yeah, I mean, I feel like having the freedom to explore the projects and the investment opportunities that are really exciting and inspiring to you is a really great place to be in. So I, I think it'll be fun to see what he explores with that. Yeah. So tell us, let us know, follow up, Brad, share with us where you end up and um, would love to, to learn. All right. Next is Dawn. And Dawn, unfortunately had a bad experience during a breakup. Her ex Mm. took one of her two credit cards and racked up debt. $2,000 worth of it and probably didn't pay it off because now her credit score is suffering. So how can she fix her credit? Well, first thing I think she needs to make sure that he no longer has access to that card or notify Mm -hmm. the credit card company. I mean, if he was fraudulently using that card, I I bet she could probably follow up on that and um, notify her credit card company as to that incident. But that could also take some time to repair. In the meantime, maybe she'll just cancel the card so he no longer has access to it. I would hate – sounds like he's not doing this anymore, but you just never know if he's going to go back to yeah. being vengeful or whatever. I mean, pay, building your credit score, it's not rocket science. It comes down to basically just paying your bills on time. Keeping a low debt to credit ratio, so not carrying a huge tall balance month to month, preferably zero dollars you're carrying every month that you're paying off that balance in full, and that you know that you're d- demonstrating that you are responsible not just with credit cards but with also other types of credit. If you have student loans, if you have medical bills, if you have a car loan, that you're also managing those bills on time and 
in, you are in good standing with those debts. I mean, there's other other factors, but those are kind of the big three. And I would, if it's more serious than that, that he kind of kind of spent this money and did it fraudulently, then that is definitely something that simultaneous to you doing all those good things, you want to notify the credit card company. Maybe they can dismiss those charges. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know with my credit cards, if there's a charge on there that I personally didn't make, they I would dispute it and they'd have to investigate it. And until it's proven that that was something that I authorized, I don't, I'm not liable for that debt. So it, was he a co-signer on this credit card? Was he an authorized user? If that is the case, then you need to get him off immediately. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Are we done with I mean, that? Are we done with that? And by the way, if you want me to yeah. call him, I'm happy to. Yeah, exactly. I'll jump in on that too for you. <laughs> Send me his call. address. No. Uh, the, good, the good thing about that is, I mean, if there is a silver lining, $2,000 is a lot of money, but it's, you know, you can easily recover from that in terms of credit score and, and paying that off. What do you think for timeline for Nish within like a yeah, year well, or even less than that, if she can pay it off? It's so hard. It's so hard to like really say, but I yeah. do know that every month your credit behavior, your payment behavior, your payment activity gets reported to the credit reporting agencies and, and, and thus your, you know, your credit score updates pretty much every month, every billing cycle. So you have every 30 days an opportunity to lift your score. Is it going to bounce back within a month to, you know, A plus range? I, I would doubt that. But I think that if you are consistent with that good behavior, you're, I would just say automate your payments so that you're never missing a payment, that you're putting down more than the minimum, substantially more than the minimum, that over a three to six month period, you should see some visible improvement. And you can check your credit score using, well, a number of ways. You can usually just ask your, you can get it through your credit card, your bank, um, and there are other websites that you can can, can get it, FICO.com, et cetera. But it's really important that you do track it so that you can, and make sure that your credit report, I, this is what I would do, I'd pull your credit report, go to annualcreditreport.com and see what is actually your credit history. Um, are there any mistakes? Are there any, uh, how was this sort of $2,000 late payment reported? And just so you have an understanding and then then when you see your score, you'll understand how it got sort of calculated. All right. And last but not least, Amy or Ami, I'm not sure. She writes, how do you plan for caring for aging parents and young children at the same time? My parents are retired and have decent savings, but they're getting older and my dad has some health issues. So what do you suggest? Do you have, are you in the situation? She's sort of like the sandwich generation. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is, it's so hard because as, you know, the stage of life, you, you not only have to take care of yourself, but also, you know, you've got young kids you're planning for and, um, and parents getting older. And I feel like as women, this is our go-to, right? We just want to take care of everybody. And I do think it is possible. And I think it's so admirable, but I'm also so careful. My natural inclination is to be like, are you taking care of yourself first? Like, that's my biggest thing. Are you, are you saving for retirement? Are you, 
um, you know, maximizing your income? Are you doing those things and having the conversation with your parents? I mean, kids are one thing, right? I mean, you can put a plan in place and have your 529 and do all the things. But in terms of aging parents too, I think it's really important to have an open, honest conversation with them about, you know, what they're doing to prepare themselves. And do they expect you to fill in the, fill in the gaps there? And I think starting with that conversation before assuming that you right. need to take care of them. I mean, maybe you don't, and maybe you do, but I don't know. What do you think there, Parnie? Well, that's my, that was my first thought was don't assume anything yet, right? Yeah. That you have to have the conversation, which could it, you know, it's easier said than done. Parents don't always want to have a money talk with their children, yeah. even though they're in their seventies. They still see you as the little girl in diapers, or at least you know their mm-hmm. child who, and maybe they're traditional. They don't talk about money with their kids, and certainly not their money. But I think that as two adults now, it's really important to have this conversation because it's going to just. Um, ready you for for the inevitable. I mean, that's sort of life, right? You, we don't know what is going to happen. Better to be prepared, have a plan, and ask questions like, you know, what is your plan? How can I help? Um, and, and at the very minimum, try to get things from them if possible, like a running list of contacts, like where they pay their bills, um, who their estate attorney is, um, you know, not, you don't need usernames and passwords yet, but do they have a will? Do they have sort of like a lockbox where you can access things in the event that one of the, one of your parents or both are unable to pay their bills or make executive decisions about their finances? So, you know, it's do these, do this when they're healthy yeah. as opposed to, you know, in an emergency or when it's a little too late. And so, I think that if you frame it like we want to help you, you know, or you can also reference other, this helps, referencing other family members who may not have had the good fortune of foresight and planned um, preparations, like say, hey, you remember Uncle Bob? And how he just sort of, you know, there was a terrible accident and he couldn't pay his mortgage, but he had the funds and his kids couldn't access it and he had to go into foreclosure. Like, you know, I don't, that's a very specific (laughs) story. (laughs) I don't have an Uncle Bob, but I'm just saying, you know, that sometimes it helps to, to kind of drive home the importance of this and make it not so, such like feel like such a personal attack is that, you know, you're being realistic and you're pulling these real stories of real people in your lives why, you know, how to avoid that from becoming your fate. It's simple. Just have the conversations, have an awareness, educate yourselves, know what your roles should be. And really coming to them as remembering that you're still their children, that, you know, this is something that you want to kind of obey their wishes and you want to be respectful of their goals and plans. I think that's kind of the best um, modus operandi. But the fact that she's thinking about it proves that she's a good Good kid, you know, like a lot of children are like, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. And she'll she'll figure it out for sure because clearly she's already thinking about it and having the foresight and being so thoughtful about it. So So. thoughtful. And if you have siblings and you feel comfortable talking to them about this and maybe going in, not to ambush your parents, but to kind of go in as a family and have a family meeting about this, that might be a nice way to kind of ease the... The confrontation mm-hmm. or the seeming confrontation, you know, just to kind of next time you're all get together at a, a, you know, brunch or family dinner or whatever to kind of bring it up lightly then and then maybe have another time where you talk about it more seriously and you actually go through some paperwork. All yeah. right. 
All right. Thank you so much, Sandra. That was, that was great. We went through everything. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I love these questions. These are perfect questions. I get um, the best questions. Like I, You really do. I brag so much about this audience because it makes me look good, right? <laughs> no one's asking about cutting coupons. I really appreciate no, it. No. And that's what I, that's what I, I freaking love it. I think that's what's awesome is that, you know, this is clearly your community are, you know, smart and savvy and just want to up their game and up level what they're already doing. Cause they're every, every single one of these questions, everyone was already, you know, on the right track, but just wanted to like push themselves tweaks. above it. Yeah. yeah they tweaks. wanted to push the envelope a little bit. Yeah. So and I'm so excited it. to hear about your new book. I love, well, look, love. it's like so early <laughs> stages. I, I haven't even, typed a single sentence. I, it's all kind of in my head, but I feel as though the audience so inspires mm-hmm. my next steps. You know, I just kind of want yeah. to keep providing value. So if I'm overwhelmed by questions that seem to be really thoughtful and sophisticated and and yeah. illustrating that people are trying to think about kind of up-leveling their money, um, yeah. that's probably what I need to kind of write about. Uh, yeah. So, so more to come on that front, but really also <laughs> excited- Really also excited about your spending awareness guide. Smartcookies.com slash spending awareness guide, y'all. It's free. (laughs) Thank you for all the great work that you do. Thanks so much, Farnoosh. 